you're listening to Reflections Over Coffee, a place for genuine vibes and personal transformation. Grab your favorite cup of coffee and join us. Hello, this is Hiva Khairi and welcome to today's episode of Reflections Over Coffee. I hope you'd find this episode enjoyable and fruitful. My wonderful guests for today are Leah from the US and who is joining us today from Portland. Hello, Leah. Hi, Assalamualaikum. How are you? I'm doing really good. Weather's good. So, yeah. <laughs> it's lovely to have you, dear. Alhamdulillah. And I have Nadim from Egypt, who's joining us today from Alexandria. Hello, Nadim. How are you? Hello, all. I'm good. I'm good. How are you all? We're actually great. Thank you. It's lovely to have you with us today. So my coffee for today is a delightful vanilla cappuccino, my all-time favorite, actually. So which coffee blend are you guys enjoying today? I've got a lavender oat milk. Oh, that's lovely. Lavender. I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. It's delicious. For me, I got cappuccino caramel. Yeah. All right. That's wonderful. Are you guys ready to start? Yeah. Yes. to get your coffee. So today's episode is inspired by the TED Talk of psychologist uh, Janice Philhauer, and the title of which was Why You Don't Get What You Want, It's Not What You Expect. So let's imagine that this morning you decided to text a loved one that you haven't spoken to in a long while. You've been wanting to speak to that person for so long, but perhaps life got in the way, you got trapped in your corona bubble, (laughs) or you might have felt that you're not ready for a sincere conversation. You know those conversations that you keep putting off? Those words that you trap in your heart for so long, they're usually the most honest and heartfelt ones. So you started typing your message and your phone decided to give you a helping hand. So guess what? Autocorrect started suggesting some words for you. But how could autocorrect possibly predict what you want to say and how you feel? It actually doesn't. Its predictions are fundamentally based on your history. So we may say that autocorrect is simply our automatic tendency to use the past to predict the future. So is it useful? Absolutely. It allows us to use our past experiences to make life easier. It's a safe and risk-free option. So when it comes to regular day-to-day conversations, it's absolutely wonderful. However, when it comes to making a change, 
getting out of your comfort zone, having that long-awaited genuine conversation. It may be limiting and not necessarily the most authentic option. So how is your relationship with your minds autocorrect? There must be something that you want in your life that no matter how hard you try to attain, you feel like you often stay stuck. Like losing the last five to 10 pounds, going for your dream job or relationship, or having that conversation that may potentially change your life. So what's holding you back? Psychologist Janice Wilhauer said, you don't get what you want, you get what you expect. And what we expect most of the time is based on our, our past experiences, which directs what is possible or not possible for us in the future. So do you believe your future could be better than your past? What do you expect? So guys, what are your initial thoughts about this topic? Just hearing the introduction. Who wants to start? Yeah, I don't, I don't mind starting at all. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I, um, I find for myself and my own experiences, there's not many things hmm. I'm not willing to take risks on with the exception of my heart. <laughs> and even then, <laughs> I always take the risk that runs off of my expectations because it's been a consistent experience rather than what I want. Um, and maybe that has to do with patience, right? Um, I think a lot of times we think about patience, we think about it in the face of um, trials, tribulations, tur turmoil. But sometimes, you know, living in the time we live in. And I don't think this is just the 21st century. I mean, you can roll this back to any relative time, anytime a technological advance is made, the expectation gets, you know, to where, oh, I can get this hmm. sooner. I can get this faster. I can get this better. Um, you know, we like to refer to how, oh, we don't have patience anymore because I can order something off of this little device in my pocket and it arrives the next day or two hours later. You know what I mean? So it's all relative to what's happening. And so I think when, for, for me, referring to, you know, my heart, I don't have any issues at all saying, you know, what's on my mind, um, being vulnerable, showing emotions. Um, those are very comfortable things for me. And, and I, I don't expect anything out of it. Um, if someone's awkward, you know, I go off of, off of that reaction, but when it comes to my heart, I find that I get impatient in, in and then I end up just settling for what I expected. Like, of course, I'm going to get this person who's X, Y, Z, because that's what I, that's what it's like. Oh, that's what it's like in the U.S. Oh, that's what it's like for an American Muslim woman. Oh, that's what it's like for just a woman, you know. So um, I think it's interesting how we compartmentalize those expectations hmm. versus what we want um, in our life. Very interesting. So Nadim, what do you think? Any initial thoughts about the topic from the introduction? 
Um, so I would say I totally agree about how we put a, a lot of high expectation on people. And because of that, we forgot ourselves and we care for people too much. I'm not saying that all people are bad, but as the psychiatrist said, too much expectation in the wrong place, the wrong time, and on people is totally bad habit. Because uh, I would say that based on a huge experience, because what I used to do was volunteering work and civil work in the Alexander Library for three years. And it was one of the major things in my life because it made me meet a lot of people and it I never thought that I would be that social, and I mean that social because it takes a lot of social intelligence to handle people with different mentality, with different ages. And because of that, expectation based on the past is totally wrong. And the thing that we want will always guide us on the right path. That's great. So... You're thinking that the experience of working at the library and dealing with different people, that was something that was some sort of a stretch for you? It's good and bad. Good because you get to know a lot of people and bad because you put a lot of high expectation on a lot of people, you will always expect the return. Hmm. The first interesting thing that I've recognized today is that the three of us could relate to the topic in very different ways, I would say. Um, I like what Leah said, that life is uh, ever-changing and with the technology and all these things. So people expect things to get easier and faster. So the expectations might differ. Um, like they wouldn't necessarily expect the past to be like the future. They might expect the future to be easier somehow. So it's a very interesting point. Um, and I like what you said, Nadim, because you've, you've looked at it from a more relationship perspective. You're, yeah, exactly. yeah, so you're a very friendly person and you befriend a lot of people and you expect a certain way of treatment in return to your um, friendly attitude. And you might get it sometimes and some other times you don't get it. So it's, it's very yeah. interesting, yeah. Um, so when I heard this TED Talk, I felt like everyone has a story, a life story, you know? And this life story defines what it is to be happy um, when it comes to work, relationships, how you would look like, where you would live, all the different, um, you know, angles or aspects of life. So... It's kind of like we all have like a set of subconscious ways that we live life with. And this autocorrect system is kind of the default system <laughs> that we would need to have a discussion with in order to make a change in a certain area of life. I feel like in some areas it could be easier than other areas. There are some areas where we have uh, experienced disappointment, for example, so I feel like what we expect might not be very positive if we've been through a lot of disappointing experiences in a certain area of life. Um, so you would need to consciously adjust that. <laughs> and some other areas, um, we always expect the best in those areas so because they were somehow smooth. So yeah, so I think that would be 
my general initial thoughts. So what's your relationship with your mind's autocorrect? Okay, I'll start. I'm that kind of person who always stop himself if I cross past something beyond the limit. Beyond the limits from two perspectives, religion and life. Culture limit and responsibility limit. But I always aim to improve myself. Like you said, each one of us have their own story that they think their ups and downs are like their own universe and their own world. And they think that they are facing their own problems alone. They are just alone in the universe. But the fact when you realize that you are one out of a billion of human beings that are facing a lot of problems and huge troubles in their life, then they realize that maybe we are just putting a lot of very negative expectations on our shoulders, but it's much easier than we think. Hmm. So you're saying that if you look at other people's lives and if they're facing more intense challenges in their lives, it might make it easier for you to expect good things to happen um, rather than be pessimistic about your own yeah. life? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So, Leah, what do you think? Um, I would say um, I'm, I've got a pretty healthy relationship. You know, I mean, having said that, I have no doubt that I've got a little bit of the, you know, Dunning-Kruger effect going on, right? Like, somebody who's ignorant doesn't know they're ignorant. <laughs> so I think I have a great relationship with my autocorrect. And in actuality, <laughs> I probably, maybe I have a bad one. I don't know, because I don't have to hang out with me. Um, but... <laughs> From my perspective, um, I think I have a good one. Um, and a lot of that is because I would say most, mostly in my 30s, I've developed this um, habit through experiences. Um, and a lot of it came from working customer service. Um, I mean, if we're going to talk about expectations versus wants, so when you're inherently going to get more or less customers who need something from you it didn't make any sense for me to put my expectation of how I think they should be acting because that wasn't going to happen because they're expecting the same thing from me. So Nadine brought up the, the, the idea of like of being nice to somebody and then maybe that person doesn't reciprocate that. And so what has been really helpful for me, and I'm not always good at this. I have my bad days too, is to take a step back. And so if I talk to somebody and they're just not happy cool. with me, not only am I going to assume maybe they're not having a good day, I can also make the assumption that let's say they're having a good day and this is just how they are all the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Now what? I can't expect them to be different than who they are. And we like to use the word should a lot. People should be kinder to each other and smile more often and say salams anytime they see you. But the reality is they don't. So when you remove should from your vocabulary, it really helps eliminate the expectations you're putting on other people 
And now you can work within the reality of what's actually happening. Yeah. I really like what you guys were talking about regarding what you expect from other people. I remember I was having this conversation with a friend of mine and he was saying that some of his friends do not call him often. So I told him, so how many times have you tried to call them? And he actually doesn't call them that much. <laughs> you know. It's just that he expects them not to care. So he's acting according to that. It's pretty interesting because as psychologist Janice Bellhauer was saying, that sometimes you contribute to the result that you get based on what you expect. So from my experience, it, the past had an impact on a lot of my expectations of the future. I've managed to look at things differently in certain areas and in some other areas, I'm still working on it, I would say. Um, I think the whole idea of what we expect versus what we want, I, from my perspective, it's just that sometimes when you get used to an area in your life going on smoothly and you're, you get used to getting what you want in that area, you just don't think about it that much, you know, because it's fine. <laughs> but when you do not expect what you want to happen, I feel like it impacts your energy as well. Like when even, for example, if you're applying for a job that you dreamed about for so long, your skills and your capabilities really match the job you're an excellent candidate for it but when you put in mind well wow this company is amazing will they accept me will I get it you get nervous about it and you just sometimes do not perform at your best so though you do have the capabilities that would allow you to get what you want but because you don't expect to get it it's kind of ruin it for yourself you know what I mean and that's why I think it's continuous work on our autocorrect system in our minds. Right. What are the challenges that we face when we are trying to handle our minds autocorrects? It's so interesting that you asked that question because it sounds like we've identified some of those challenges that a lot of us mm. have, which is, you know, when you think about it, yeah. or insecurities and being familiar with those insecurities, because that seems to be the dialogue that that's the voice that's coming up and saying, don't even bother because this person always shuts you down. Don't even bother because everyone else in the room is probably better than you. Don't even bother because um, you're not as pretty as these other girls. Like whatever that looks like, right? Work relationships, friendships, um, even the conversation you have with yourself when you want to start a project just for fun, you know? So the insecurity is even louder when it comes to things that are much closer to my heart and things that, are, that require much more emotional investment on my part. And so the question I keep asking all the time to myself, interestingly, is... For insecurity to be the loudest voice in my head when that autocorrect mm. comes on, how egotistical do I have to be to assume that everything terrible that's going to happen, it happens to me? I think to myself, <laughs> wow, Leah, what an ego you must have <laughs> to think that you're the only one experiencing this. It, because you're just so focused on yourself and what that looks like for you, 
I just think that's incredibly ironic. So I, I love that question because it's what I've been asking this whole time about what's my oh, challenge. And I'm like, well, my challenge seems to be my mm-hmm. ego. Hmm. I find what Leah said very interesting because our insecurities, I, I agree with you, Leah, that could be a great challenge for most of us. Well, when you were saying that we are more insecure when we are trying to achieve something that means a lot to us, that's pretty interesting because I remember that I, I read this in a book by Dr. Phil a lot of years ago, mm-hmm. and he was saying that people are more sensitive or are more afraid of failure when they're pursuing something that they really, really want. Whether it's a relationship or the job that we want to, you know, get or whatever, and we feel tense about it sometimes, we have some sort of self-sabotage because we do not want to fail at something that means a lot to us. um, It becomes more sensitive somehow. So Nadim, what do you think? Well, uh, I will not add something special because the insecurity is one of the major ones. I would say that plus the insecurities, I think it's similar but in different way to be our desires. Hmm. Because our desires are the motive uh, and like the engine for anything. So the desire to do good, the desire uh, to, uh, to not fail, the desire for a lot of stuff. And you always want to fight your desires in anything you do. The desire to to get a very good raise, or even the desire to make a very huge mistake. So it will be challenging to fight your desire in the good and the bad way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's important to to know whether this desire is a genuine one or not. Yeah. You know, because I feel like sometimes we want things for the sake of our ego. Yeah. You know, if we're going back to Leah's point, um, like the status of it, it's not like a genuine, honest desire of our souls and what we really want, you know. Want, exactly, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and it's pretty interesting because when you have a genuine desire for something, your entire energy is different. What I would add to what you guys said I think we just get comfortable with how we do things or how we live. Um, so as you said, Nadim, it, we really have to have a real desire, an honest desire. And also there is this other side, which is the fear of change. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like uh, sometimes we might need to just work on seeing ourselves differently if we want to experience a different life experience. So yeah, so that's just one thing that came to my mind and the other thing is that sometimes we have mixed emotions about change i think i mentioned this in one of the previous episodes uh that uh, there was this quote by les brown and he was saying that sometimes we honor the people we love by being like them so he was saying that a lot of people they're used to having a certain lifestyle or certain choices in life that are based on what they have subconsciously inherited from their parents because they love their parents, they're kind of imitating their their life subconsciously, which might not be the best way to live for them. But sometimes it's linked 
to love. So I think that might need just some sort of self-awareness so that you can choose how you want to live and what would be fulfilling for you rather than how you are used to living. Can I add something? Yeah, sure. An example, I'm the oldest one in my brothers. Uh, my father is like a CEO in finance, but he's very, very good at it. He always wanted one of his sons to be like an accountant. So when I didn't get the high score in high school, I got accepted in a law school. Uh, and that was not my father's desire. But he said that, okay, you will finish college, then you will come and work with me. And that happened. But I only worked for him for like a year and a half. And I said to myself, that ah, that's not my career. That's my life. I'm not loving it. And then I started to t- make some self-studies about HR. And, and I took the long road and the hard road. And I thank God that I'm in the managerial level in, in my career and having my own business. And yeah, it took a lot of time and it took mm-hmm. a lot of desire and a lot of things to do. That's wonderful. But I'm satisfied. In fact, um, I think yeah. it's interesting that you, that you brought up the... Um the idea that some of what we try to emulate and what, what turns into our expectations is in actuality, um, you know, what we see in our parents. And I would say that the same is the opposite for what's lacking in your life, you know? Um, so if you maybe don't have a good relationship with your parents or you have a parent who maybe wasn't there for whatever reason um, or siblings or whatever those, those important and key relationships are in our life, um, that are really core to, to kind of our, our personal well-being and especially when it comes to socializing, um, mm. you've, you've now got this, you've sort of found this want and expectation that you put out with these other relationships in your life to compensate for the one that you need that's missing. Um, so, and I just think that's the other side of that coin. Um, mm. You know, not only do we emulate and, and bring those expectations and wants out of the things that we have and that we love, but we also do it for the ones that um, that are missing or lacking in our lives. Very insightful, guys. So how can we have a healthy relationship with our minds autocorrect? <laughs> That's a hard one. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, that is a very difficult one. Um, and I guess the short answer to that would be you'd have to do some serious soul searching. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, I mean, <laughs> it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. There's times where, like, I think I've got my stuff you know, locked up and tight and ready to go. And I know what I'm doing. Maybe I, maybe I don't. Um, And so maybe part of having that healthy relationship with your autocorrect is to seek out what does your autocorrect look like outside of you? What does that autocorrect look like to the people closest to you? Hmm. And maybe they can help bring that insight for your personal growth. Yeah. Yeah. And well, of course, you know, just quickly, the caveat to that is for you to be open. 
So there mm. may be some instances where like you get some of that feedback and yeah. it makes you <laughs> right in the feels and it stings a little, or maybe it even stings a lot, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, mm. and for some of us, it does start out with us justifying it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> um, you should, you should find value in that nonetheless. Yeah. Dean. Yeah. What do you think? I want to say that first thing, you need to have a life coach. A life coach will help you handle the way of thinking, how to be more optimistic, not pessimistic, and a lot of things. And second thing is that if you want to get rid of a habit or to have a new one, you have to do this for 21 days, for two weeks or three weeks. You keep on doing that every day to change your attitude or your your way of thinking you need to take 21 days yes yeah, so you're more likely to stop after a few days if you don't do it yeah. for yeah, yeah. Just 21 days yeah. yeah that's wonderful uh the other thing is by seeing your friends and family for support yeah well i agree with you guys that the support system is very important whether it's a life coach or a friend or family or anyone that you feel comfortable with and someone who has your best interest at heart. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So from my perspective, how we can have a healthy relationship with our minds, Ota, correct? I think it should be a selective relationship. We can learn lessons from the past, use the useful information, and then believe that we can have a different and happier future, I would say. There was this quote by um, Andrew Matthews from his book, um, Follow Your Heart. And he was saying that if you want to believe in yourself, you need to believe yourself. Just really nice. interesting. Uh, so <laughs> it's like to when you're saying I'm going to do this or my life is going to be different or I'm going to be I'm going to try to be happier in that area. Or um, when you imagine a different future, um, you would need to start by believing yourself first. <laughs> You know, just believing that it's possible. I feel like that kind of shifts your energy and makes you more likely to be successful in whatever you want to achieve. And also the areas where there were a lot of disappointments previously in life, these areas might need extra work because you would need to just take the lesson from the past, but not the emotion you wouldn't move forward with the baggage of yesterday, as they say. That's pretty important. You might need to see yourself differently and see yourself happier in in that area. Yeah, I think that's what we can do to have a healthier relationship. They're also correct. So final thoughts for today. What's one thing that you're taking away from? Stop looking at the past and start looking at the future in much more bright and positive way and just be positive and be easy on yourself. Yeah, very nice. So my final thoughts uh, really just come down to uh, find your balance. 
right? So we don't want to completely use our past as a map to guide us where we need to go or where we think we want to go. But, you know, using the analogy you you mentioned earlier about baggage, right? Yeah. Just like if, if we maintain that analogy, baggage, you unpack and you put the contents of the baggage back in its rightful place of where it belongs, your dresser, your closet, the laundry, wherever. And we need to do that with the emotions that come with the things that happened to us in the past, because a lot of those expectations, like we mentioned earlier, come from traumas, insecurities, um, lots of these really complex emotions that cannot be compartmentalized and they don't stand alone. And so, you know, when, when we look at what we expect versus what we want, it is crucial and, and really to our benefit to unpack that baggage that comes with those expectations, put everything in its right place. But also keep in mind that just like an actual piece of baggage, mm-hmm. you have all these little pockets to your personality. So you may forget things left in these pockets <laughs> that you won't discover that's, until that's later. Very interesting. Right? <laughs> and you're going to go, oh, that's where that's been. Or, oh, this is what this is. And you're like, wow, that's where that went. And I think we can all relate to that of going, oh, wow, I've been carrying this around this whole time, not knowing where it was, or I thought this was normal. And then later we realized, oh, wow, I've been carrying this around this whole time and it actually needed to go somewhere else. Yeah. And so really, you know, like I said, just reinforcing balance because our psychology drives us to use our past to make decisions. That's right. Um, It's required. Um, But it can't be the primary drive to a decision, especially our emotions. Mm. Um, So there's certain parts of our psychology you just can't fight. Um, So in that regard, you just sort of, you you work around it and you find ways to to utilize it in different ways. And so I think as long as we're unpacking that baggage, putting everything in its rightful place, revisiting to make sure we've cleaned out all the pockets and we need to do that continuously, Mm. um, we're going to find the tools that we need um, to really move forward. And, and of course, as you know, that's going to allow you to shift your expectations yeah. as you move forward in life. And I think that's, that's really where the win comes that's from. Brilliant. <laughs> Very nice. You know, um, I've just recognized this with, when you're saying that you would need to uh, make sure that you don't have anything else in your pockets. <laughs> that's, that's very interesting because <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you tend to see a pattern in people's lives, um, certain experiences that are being repeated. Let's say someone who constantly has an issue with his or her boss. They might change jobs, but they, they're kind of experiencing the same thing in different places. Or some people have a pattern of choosing abusive partners, let's say, or mm-hmm. um, a pattern of choosing people that they might not entirely connect with, or some people choose a partner according to the status of this partner and what they do in their job and stuff. And when you recognize a pattern that's getting repeated in your life in some way, this is when you recognize that you're kind of expecting the past to be like the future, (laughs) because you're kind of recreating the experience with different people, you know? Right. (laughs) Right, exactly. So there is this lady that I know, and she used to have a pattern of 
getting into relationships that weren't fulfilling for her, uh, emotionally fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that there was a coach that we were having a conversation with and that coach told her, can you imagine that you are in a loving relationship where someone is treating you like a princess, you is taking care of you. And I could see how difficult it was for her to really imagine herself leaving that. I think this is where uh, you would need to just unpack, as you said, because if I'm repeating an experience all the time, I'm not seeing myself differently so that I can have a different experience. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll say, because I don't mind putting myself out there. I'm that lady you're talking about. I mean, you're not really. Yeah, I'm you're talking about a different lady. I'm just <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, are you talking about me? Because that's exactly mm-hmm. me. And I don't mind sharing that with 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 mm-hmm. everybody. That's I consistently have to reopen that baggage and it goes all the way back to my childhood. It's quite a big bag <laughs> that I carry around yeah. with me, you know, emotional baggage. Um, that I continue to strap to my back and bring into these relationships. And as I unpack each one, each relationship looks different, but at the same time, it's still the same one. And it's a conversation I've had with my own um, counselor. And he's asked that very same question to me. Can you see yourself in this, in this type of relationship where you are emotionally fulfilled and um, you're socially fulfilled and you're intellectually fulfilled I cannot conceptualize that at all. I, that for sure is a piece of baggage. I have to check the pockets yeah. <laughs> on all the but, time. That's very yeah, but That's actually really amazing that you are aware of that. So you're more likely to improve <laughs> in that area by time because you're very much aware of, you know, where you stand now and what you need to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I would say, I would say the final thoughts and my final thoughts is, um, the only way to, to have that conversation with yourself is to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm, that's wonderful. Guys, it has been delightful to have you for today. <laughs> oh, Me yeah. Too. Thank you. Have uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun having this conversation and and talking to you guys. <laughs> <Yo>! <laughs>